Hey everyone, it's Jeannie, the Pistol Pack and Mountain Mama Health Nut. How's my fellow pod doggies? I'm recording this episode on our ranch in the beautiful Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. This podcast has two segments. The first is called All Things Health, and today I'll talk about ibuprofen, aspirin, and acetaminophen. Are they really that bad? And the second segment is called Mountain Adventures. I share my true encounters with creepy crawly snakes. You might hear me scream. Okay, well maybe not but I sure don't like them. And remember to hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode and leave me a review or comment. I'd love to know how I'm doing. You can find my websites and email in the show notes. Please share this episode with someone who you think might benefit from it. And most importantly, thank you for listening. My podcast is sponsored by a company called 3 International. It's a proactive wellness company that provides high-quality, bioavailable, optimal nutrients that your body craves. All other products are listed in the physician's desk reference, and you can find that at www.pdr.net. I personally use them, and I will tell you they're the best supplements I've ever taken. And I'm super careful about what I put in my body, and I only want the best. We also have a customer program so you don't have to pay retail. And so when you hit the join button to purchase, keep going and you'll navigate to the customer prices. You can research these products on my website, genieolson.iii.earth. Okay, today's episode, ibuprofen, aspirin, and acetaminophen. Which one should you take? Now, chances are you have all three of these in your medicine cabinet. I know I do. And chances are you have one that you reach for the most. If you're like me, you've probably asked yourself, which one should I take for this headache? And, you know, should I switch them up from time to time? I know they are all pain relievers, but they're also a little bit different. Like ibuprofen, and a brand name would be Advil or Motrin, is supposed to be filtered in the kidneys, and acetaminophen, a brand name would be Tylenol in the liver. And all I knew about aspirin is that it can be a blood thinner, and some heart patients take it to prevent a heart attack or stroke. I don't use aspirin much, but I have a good reason. You see, I am the reason, well, me and one other guy that I know of, that society has child-proof lids on medications. You know, the ones that kids can open and and adults can't. When I was about four or five years old, I went with my parents to get groceries and run errands, and they left me in the car, in the back seat, unattended while they ran into a store. I found the bottle of baby aspirin nestled in the bottom of the brown paper grocery sack and decided, because they tasted like candy, that I should eat half of the bottle. I don't know how they knew what I had done when they got back in the car, It was probably because all of the groceries were laying all over the back seat. But I remember my dad scooping me up in his arms and both my mom and dad running into the drugstore as fast as they could. The pharmacist gave me Ipecac to make me throw up, and thank goodness I don't remember spewing. But the moral of my sometimes not-so-smart childhood actions is that I have steered clear of aspirin and only use ibuprofen or acetaminophen. So let's dive into each one what they are, and which one is the safest to take and for what problem. Should you take them at all? And is there any alternatives to take them might be easier on the body? So let's talk first about ibuprofen, because I will admit that's the one that I use the most. According to drugs.com, ibuprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. It works by reducing hormones that cause inflammation and pain in the body, and it will reduce fever and treat pain caused by headaches, a toothache, back pain, arthritis, mental cramps, or minor injuries. Now, what is acetaminophen? It's classified as a non-opioid 
analgesic and antipyretic. Non-opioid analgesic means it's a pain reliever, but it's not a narcotic and it doesn't need a prescription. And there isn't any withdrawal symptoms either. And antipyretic means it's a fever reducer. So it's like ibuprofen, but it doesn't help with inflammation. Aspirin is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, also used to reduce pain and fever. So basically it does the same thing as both ibuprofen and acetaminophen, but it does one more thing. It's also an antithrombotic, so that means it prevents the formation of blood clots. It's a type of blood thinner. A low-dose aspirin, also called baby aspirin, is often given to heart attack and stroke patients to prevent further problems. Now let's look at the side effects of each one. The side effects of ibuprofen include gastrointestinal problems, and I've heard this from a lot of people. It can also cause constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, and skin rash, and long-term problems can happen in the kidneys. And what's interesting with ibuprofen is that several weeks ago, I woke up with half of the white of my left eye completely covered with bright red blood. And when I went to the eye doctor, he asked me if I used ibuprofen a lot. You know, and I immediately felt guilty, like, you know, like a little kid who just got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. But I was honest, and I told the doctor I do use it several times a week. And I was quickly to say I didn't use it every day, like that would get me out of trouble or something. But he told me that ibuprofen can be a blood thinner, and I hadn't heard this before. So I researched it, and according, again, to drugs.com, It doesn't actually thin your blood, but it slows down your blood clotting time. For instance, if you cut yourself, it may take longer to heal. The side effects of acetaminophen are nausea, vomiting, constipation, itching, stomach discomfort, skin rash. A long-term effect can be liver damage. So one is filtered in the kidneys and the other is filtered in the liver. But other than that, they both seem to have the same side effects. You know, not exactly, but close. And when I say filtered in the kidneys or liver, what I mean is this. After you swallow the pill or capsule, it goes from the stomach into the intestines. And from the intestines, it is absorbed into the bloodstream. The blood passes through the liver and kidneys where it's cleaned and toxins are removed and excreted from the body. In the liver is where substances are broken down, such as prescription drugs, caffeine, alcohol, etc. Also, nutrients in the blood are sent to where they're needed. The kidneys filter out about 200 quarts of fluid every day, which is enough to fill a large bathtub. And they remove waste and toxins, but also balance your body's fluids like water and electrolytes. And I could get more details about this, but I just wanted to touch on the filtering process. Okay, so what are the side effects of aspirin? Gastrointestinal problems, stomach ulcers because the aspirin can break down the protective mucus lining in the intestines, those hemorrhaging or bleeding, and ringing in the ears, but that's rare. Aspirin is filtered in the liver, so long-term use of high doses could cause liver damage. And it's interesting to note that only about 68% of an aspirin is actually used. The rest is excreted out of the body. Also, baby aspirin should not be given to babies, young children, or even teens, especially if they have the flu, because of the risk of getting, and it's pronounced either Ray's syndrome or Rye syndrome, and Rye syndrome is a rare condition that causes swelling in the liver and brain. Now for years, aspirin has been given to heart patients and stroke victims to prevent further problems because, as I've said before, it thins the blood, preventing blood clots from forming. And I also know people, some are family members, who take an aspirin as a preventative, 
but have no heart issues, but have a parent or a grandparent who did have heart problems, you know, and they're worried that they'll have problems in the future. And this has been recommended by doctors for years. But just recently, according to Dr. Oz, there are studies coming out saying that an aspirin a day may not be that safe because long term it can cause hemorrhaging or bleeding, you know, like I mentioned earlier. I think it's pretty clear that all three drugs, especially long-term use, is not good for our bodies. In my opinion, anything synthetic or man-made is not good for us, and I've said this before. So is there anything we can take for pain that might be safer and more natural? An herbal extract called Boswellia is a pain reliever and also an anti-inflammatory. Another herb you can use is cloves. Cloves are analgesic and also anti-inflammatory. And this one will surprise you. Just plain old heat and ice. They're simple and inexpensive. And I use ice sometimes when, you know, when I have a sinus headache. My dad, on the other hand, used heat when he had a sinus headache. So it just depends on what works for you. Another natural pain reliever is turmeric, a spice used often in Indian cuisine. And it has an anti-inflammatory and pain relieving properties. Turmeric contains a compound called curcumin, This is especially helpful for joint pain and osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. And another great alternative is the Revive product from the 3 company that I mentioned earlier. And I'm telling you, this company knows what they're doing. Revive contains the following ingredients that are known to be pain relievers and anti-inflammatories. And you know, some of them I just mentioned a few minutes ago. So what's in Revive is curcumin, boswellia, black cumin oil, quilija saponins, grapeseed extract, shiitake mushroom, sea buckthorn, and black pepper and peppermint oil. Now, I personally take two capsules every morning for my joint pain, and then I do it also for exercise recovery. And then if I have a headache or other pain, you know, I'll take two more. So check that out. And lastly, something that can help that's natural is acupuncture, which is a form of Chinese medicine that's been used for centuries to relieve pain. All of these remedies are safe and effective. You know, you just have to get used to taking them instead of going to the medicine cabinet and getting a synthetic pain reliever. Okay, well, I hope you found this to be helpful. Please share it with someone you think that might benefit from it. And always remember that God made is better than man made, and always everything in moderation. Okay, now on to Mountain Adventures. It's not easy living off-grid in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. That's why my husband Nick and I rely heavily on Jesus Christ to see us through and keep us safe. He's never let us down. And we've been in some pretty scary situations from time to time, and we wouldn't make it without him. You see, we own and operate a cattle ranch, and everything here is just harder, takes more time, and just seems bigger. And by bigger, I mean the animals for one, like the elk and moose. But in my opinion, the bugs can be huge as well. But it's no secret I don't like bugs. For instance, the mosquitoes. Being out on the ranch away from the house, if you have to go, the great outdoors is your bathroom. So if you have to go, you do what our friends call pop a squat. And believe me, you pop the squat fast. And here's why. If we have a rainy summer, the mosquitoes seem to thrive and multiply. And I swear they carry chainsaws because you can hear them from miles away and I firmly believe they have a turbojet engine attached to them, and the stingers feel like they're about three inches long. And when you are squatting, well, you know what is exposed. 
So pop the squat fast is all I'm saying. I'm not a very good mountain mama, am I? I'm not the usual mountain woman you might be thinking of who dresses in deerskins, who wears a coonskin hat, and is missing a few teeth. I can put on a nice dress with beautiful jewelry, or I can sport wranglers and cowboy boots to go country dancing or brand cattle. But anyways, besides not liking bugs, I also don't like spiders either, but it's the snakes that make me scream the loudest. I have encountered a few snakes in my life, and I thought I would share some of my more memorable times. I usually give you some fun facts about the animal that I'm talking about, but there isn't any fun facts because there isn't anything fun about snakes. Now, I know they are beneficial and eat mice and stuff like that, but do they really need to be near civilization? Now, we have different kinds of snakes in Idaho, and some of the most well-known snakes are the western rattlesnake, black snakes, garter snakes, water snakes, blow snakes, and the northern rubber boa. And I've seen the last four I just mentioned on our ranch. You can also find the North American racer, and that can move at three and a half miles per hour. And there are other snakes I haven't mentioned. The rattlesnake is very poisonous and belongs to the viper family, and apparently it's the only poisonous snake, at least in East Idaho. From time to time, my barn cats will bring me a snake and leave it outside on the steps in the front of the porch door. I thought they were supposed to bring dead mice to the door. And they're usually smaller snakes, about 8 inches long. And I think they're just garter snakes and are harmless. But it doesn't matter if they are harmless or not. They have fangs. Once in a while, I will chop one up with my lawnmower, and that's so disgusting. One day I was getting ready to mow my lawn. I have a push mower that I leave under a tarp. I dragged that out and was reaching down to take the gas cap off, and a snake sprang out of the top of the mower's engine. I had my face and hands down there. What kind of snake was it? Well, I didn't stay around long enough to find out. But you can bet that I closely check my mowers now before I do anything. One evening, I tootled down to the place where I feed my cats. It's a three-tiered table, and I feed them on the top tier so other animals, like our dogs, can't get their food. So I go down to this table, swinging my bucket of food, chatting and petting the cats as I go. I get to the table and start pouring the food into the pan, not paying attention to my surroundings at all. And I look down, and right in front of me, like six inches away from my face, is a half-eaten snake. Now this snake was not a garter snake. It was about two feet long, and the size around was about the size of a quarter. Where in the heck did they get that? (laughs) I screamed so loud. I do run into water snakes a lot when I'm near the river doing my seasonal water measuring job. My official title is River Rider, and I work for Water District 1, which is part of the Idaho Department of Water Resources. And my job takes me along the Snake River. It's named that because hundreds of years ago, this river was a vital water source and food supply for the Native American tribe, the Shoshones. They had a special hand signal that they used that was in the shape of an S, and European explorers misinterpreted this hand signal to represent swimming snakes. But the S hand signal today is thought to have meant the people who live near the river with many fish. And I always thought it was called the Snake River because it winds in and out through the mountains and trees. And whenever I almost step on a snake while hiking alone from my job, I always scream. And you know what's so weird? No one ever comes to rescue me. So for my job, I also do a lot of driving along the Snake River. One afternoon, I was driving on a graveled road along the river, and I came upon a rattlesnake. 
It was lazily laying in the road, taken in the heat of the sun. It was completely stretched out. It was about five feet long and about two inches in diameter. I thought to myself, this is your chance to kill it. At least that would be one less snake to deal with. So I lined the tires of my Jeep up to run over it. Hopefully I would run over its head. So I got my speed up and, thump, thump, I ran over it. That should do it. After I had ran over, I looked in my side mirror expecting to see it lying there dead. But it was gone. So I go into panic mode. Well, where is it? And this was my thinking. It's probably in the wheel well of my Jeep. In a few seconds, it will be coming up through the floorboards and bite me over and over, most likely on the neck. So, of course, I start driving like a mad woman. I've got to get it out from under my Jeep, you know. I kept swerving back and forth to shake it loose. You know, I couldn't be sure. Well, at the next stop, I jumped out of the Jeep and ran clear away from it. Now, I do carry my firearm with me, and I thought about drying it for just a minute, but then I changed my mind. And then once I got my nerve back up, I slowly made my way back to the Jeep and checked everywhere for the snake. I was listening for the rattle, but never did hear it, and I didn't see the snake either, and oh, thank goodness. And I'm thinking that maybe as I ran over it, it slithered into the tall grass. I hope it's still not alive. It's probably waiting for me to come back. Now, one thing I didn't know is that rattlesnakes can swim. Just recently, not too far from my house, is a recreation boating area called Blacktail Ryrie Reservoir. A nine-year-old girl had been wakeboarding with her brother and dad and had jumped into the water to swim around for a minute, and she felt a sting on her knee as she was about to climb back into the boat. And when her brother came to see why she was screaming, he'd seen the snake in the water. When she got out, she had a snake bite on her knee. And she did make it to the hospital in time, and after two injections of anti-snake venom, she's expected to fully recover. And they think, judging by how the wound was, that it was a rattlesnake that bit her. Yep, ain't swimming there. My husband Nick told me that when he was younger, when the state put the reservoir in, they had a heck of a time because as the water filled up the reservoir, it, it pushed all of the snakes onto the banks, and there were hundreds of them. And he said the snakes were horrible and everywhere. Now, we don't see rattlesnakes at our ranch, but, you know, maybe they're around, but I really don't want to see one. They tend to like drier and more rocky regions. I think we have enough of other kinds of snakes, and I try to keep my distance. And my advice to you? Just run away as fast as you can. Never a dull moment at the Embaro Ranch. Okay, remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. Go get your dreams. See you next time.